The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Dynamic Healing with two experts in chronic pain, David Hanscom and Les Aria. This podcast will show you how to unlock your body's ability to heal. Just breathe and learn how to rewire your brain and break free from chronic pain. Welcome to Dynamic Healing Podcast. I'm Les Aria. And I'm David Hanscom and I'm Dr. Aria's sidekick. Um, he's the guru. I'm the person he has to listen to me this is my favorite part of this podcast <laughs> think about this a surgeon and a psychologist so he's paid to listen and my fellows asked me one day he says don't you ever get tired of talking i go no not really trust me <laughs> dr ari do you ever get tired of listening uh no but i do enjoy uh the giggles that you when you continue to talk <laughs> <laughs> should we get on with the podcast yes let's get on with the is that podcast. time to do that now Yes, yes. Okay, the title of today's is called What You Resist Will Persist. And the purpose of this is that basically, and this is a very, it's one of my favorite talk, topics. It's also one of my personal confusing ones. Because the purpose of this episode is, is walking in your pain is healing, but at the same time, you have to be nice to yourself. Yeah. And there's a quote by a very famous doctor, Dr. Les Aria, is what you resist will persist. And, and Dr. Aria, I know that's not quite original, but you use it a lot. So what, what's the source of that quote, by the way? Yeah, so believe it or not, folks, uh, this quote, uh, I learned this when I was an undergrad, I think my sophomore year, and uh, I loved Carl Jung, one of Freud's students. Uh, so what you resist, persist, is the um, correct quote. And I use it a lot because it's really the fact when you are sinking in quicksand, making full contact with it, stops you from sinking so there we go so dr Ari, we're talking about pain reprocessing therapy and there's five components um could you review those we're talking about the third one today but could you review those five components again for us yeah sure. i think it'll be good for our listeners to kind of get another whiff of what pain reprocessing therapy is prt there are five components and um the first one is to educate you about the roles responsibility and the ability for pain to be reversed so pain comes from the brain. Pain is a danger signal, and sometimes the brain misfires and creates pain when there is no damage, a false alarm. A number two component of PRT is that reinforcing you to gather your own personal information, evidence that is, on the brain's origins and the fact that pain can be reversed. How? Basically, when you 
uh, gather information by noticing there are certain times and days where your pain fluctuates. And so that's a good source of evidence that when you are with someone fun and safe, you notice the pain is not so bad or it's barely there. So gather that information. The third component is what we're going to be talking about today is about gently leaning into the pain. We'll talk more about that as we go through the podcast. The fourth and the fifth are basically addressing other emotional threats, which basically means is when you have life problems, stop running from your reality. Reality always wins. And the fifth one is creating positive feelings and sensations when you're experiencing a very difficult sensation in your body. Now, let me make a comment on the second one, is that to gather your own personal evidence about the brain's origins, this is actually true in presence of a structural problem. Let's say you have arthritis of your knee or your hip or your shoulder. Mm-hmm. So you have a structural problem that we know the, where the pain is coming from. But again, there's other factors that magnify it. So even if there's a structural issue, it doesn't matter. You still want to find other, other things that affect the uh, pain. The thing I want to reinforce is addressing other emotional threats. People say, well, that's psychology. And again, believe it or not, Dr. Ari, I'm not a good psychologist. <laughs> you act like one. <laughs> but people think, well, oh, emotional threats. Okay, well, you say it's psychological. It is not. So it's your physiological state. And mental pain is processed in the same part of the brain as physical pain. And the human brain cannot tell the difference. And so that's, we've talked about this a lot about obsessive thought patterns, et cetera. So we talk about other emotional threats, whether it's a physical threat or emotional threat, it fires up your fight or flight physiology. It's the same result. So that's why it's so critical to look at this as one process. So I like to tell a story about myself. Um, I like to talk about myself, Dr. Aria. Should we talk about that? (laughs) I don't think the audience even noticed that in all the episodes. (laughs) I'm sorry, Paul. So, <laughs> anyway, so I have I had severe arthritis in my hip in both knees, and I'm I'm not very happy about that because I, you know, mentally, you know, we're like 20 years old, and I'm a little bit older than that. And so the thing about arthritis is you can't rehab because it's a very definite structural problem. But about 10 years ago, I ran ran across ran across some literature that blew my mind. Is that the pain connected with knee arthritis is more connected to your stress levels than it is actually the severity of the arthritis. In other words, people with bone and bone arthritis would often have no pain or minimal pain, and people with severe knee pain often had minimal arthritis. In fact, it's almost 100%. It wasn't even that close. If you think about that a little bit, to actually wear yourself down to bone and bone arthritis, if you had extreme pain all along the way, you can actually use the knee enough to wear it down. So they found they actually did a nice prospective study and actually noted it was connected with stress. And I just want to review to the audience again that stress is a physiological state. It's not psychological. It's your body's response to danger. So your body fires up, is inflamed, and of course, everything hurts more because your nervous system is sensitized. So that one from an orthopedic surgeon standpoint just blew my mind. I go, wait a second. The most straightforward thing we do in orthopedics is total hips and total knees. The same is true with hip arthritis and also shoulder arthritis. So then, of course, I end up with arthritis with my right hip was a disaster, both knees. And I thought for years, people say, get a total knee, get a total knee. Then it became pretty clear the hip is the biggest issue. And I took this seriously. I did my expressive running. I did my relaxation exercises, mindfulness meditation. I've got my own set of anger issues like every human being. So when I was actually sleeping, doing my writing, doing the things I actually tell people to do, I had minimal knee pain, minimal hip pain. 
I eventually ended up with a hip replacement, not because of the pain, because it was so stiff I couldn't even bend over, and I could not walk correctly. I mean, my, nip was, my hip was a disaster. And believe it or not, Les, the reason why I had this hip replacement, as you probably know, yeah. I just get tired of people asking me when you're getting your hip replaced. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, I kept on asking, how tall are you really? When I stood next to David, he was <laughs> giant uh, when he got after. So so what, what I think David and I are saying is, you know, sometimes there's real legitimate stuff that's going on. But one of the things, David, I can, I can brag about you uh, to the audience is that, folks, I can tell you this. This is one guy who practices what he preaches. When, um, when I first met David uh, with the limp and everything, uh, you know, I was I was really intrigued. He never complained about it. He didn't grimace. He didn't whine or sigh or as my grandmother used to do and used to say, "Lord Jesus," when she used to stand up because it was so painful. <laughs> she had uh, she had hip um, issues too. But David, one of the things that I think which will um, reject the conversation back to, you know, leaning into the pain. That's exactly what you really have been doing. Is that you've always made contact with the pain. And the anxiety about the pain was really not there because you knew you were safe, even though you had some stuff that you were dealing with. You basically dialed down the suffering, which allowed well, you to better deal with the physical sensations. Yeah, and to be clear to the audience, if you're bone on bone, you can't damage it anymore. So I knew it was not going to cause any further damage. It was already done. So that was also helpful. So I have to get to myself to get to my story here. <laughs> the story was yeah. so at one point about six years ago, the pain, I, it, it's about a five minute walk from my office to the parking garage. And my knees were hurting so badly, it would take me about 15 minutes just to get there. It was pretty bad. And I just kept doing it. And of course, I was trying to make rounds and walking all day. So one day I said, look, I'm either going to get these knees replaced or I'm just gonna, I'm going to function the best I can do it. If the pain's intolerable, I'll get the surgery. And that's and if I can tolerate, I'm, I'm just going to keep doing this, but I'm still going to function normally. So I started walking at a normal pace to the garage, which hurt like hell for about two days. But by about the third day, the pain dropped down 80%. Blew me away. So we call it leaning into the pain. It wasn't mind over matter. Was, I just quit fighting it and just decided to go on with my life. And we're going to talk about the summary of this talk is that if you start paying more attention to your life than to your pain, that's when you start to heal. And so the research shows that fear of pain, we use the word catastrophize, and actually increases the pain, physically increases the pain. Why is that, Dr. Aria? Well, there are many reasons for that, David. So, <laughs> um, so, so listen, one of the things that I think that, um, again, um, even though we're being playful here, we really want you to know what when Dave is... When David is talking about his knee and his replacement, we're not we're not suggesting and promoting surgery or anything like that. The real take-home message over and over again, if you listen to his story correctly and with intent with intention of wanting to understand, is when you learn to make contact with what you don't want to, that physiological response that your brain does, that survival, it actually lessens. So, um, you know, as goofy as we are, we go back and forth here. The take-home message here, that that's, that's what we really want you to know is is when you can actually be less fearful of what shows up. David, I'm gonna ask you this question, kind of kind of guide our conversation here. Hey David, when you feel the pain um, prior to doing some of this work, did you, did you feel like that, that pounding of your heart or did you have this anticipation if I stand up and walk? Tell us a little bit about um, two things. Uh, what went through your mind and the emotions associated with the pain and then once you start to apply the skills that we teach patients to lean into their pain, how that changes the cognition and emotion. So tell us about the thoughts of anticipation that you might have, even though you, you know this stuff. 
Well, I mean, the brain's smart. I mean, we're smart. The brain adapts to anything. So people say, well, I don't have, is it chronic pain if, if every time I move a certain way, it hurts? And the answer is absolutely, because your brain is already preloading the gut and saying, okay, if I do right. this, I'm going to hurt. Right. So the triggers already get partially pulled, and then you do it, then it hurts. And with repetition, you know, I'm not going to touch a hot stove because it's hot. I'm not going to make that move because it hurts. So one, so we know if you touch a hot stove, it's, it's damaging. But I do know if I make a certain move with my knee that hurts, that it's not damaging. So it's a huge difference in what you do, because that's how the brain learns. We learn everything. We memorize everything. Think about it. Everything we do is memorized from a past experience. So I don't have to learn not to touch a hot stove every time. I also know when I make this motion with my leg that it's going to hurt. So as I was able to reassure myself, well, I already knew this. Once you're bone and bone, you cannot do any further damage. So I call it walking into your pain. It wasn't mind over matter. I am not tough. It hurt like heck. Yeah. But what I didn't have this time, which is so different, I didn't have the crippling anxiety. And when I gave yeah. my patients the choice of saying, look, I can do surgery. And this is for people with structural surgical lesions that were on the schedule. And I had four patients in two weeks that actually blew me away in that they were surgical patients. All of them were, were males between ages 45 to 60. And all of them were 10 out of 10 on the anxiety scale. And um, I looked at it and go, well, wait a second. So I'm going to do surgery on them. I'm going to do the prehab first to calm them down first before surgery. But that's my question. Look, if I can get rid of your pain surgically, but you're going to live with the anxiety that you have the rest of your life, or we can help you calm your anxiety down, but the pain doesn't change, what would you want to choose? Everyone almost jumped out of the chair. First, first of all, I said, well, if I get rid of the pain in the leg, won't they help my anxiety? And the answer is no. It's a different issue. And so then they go, well, I can't live with the anxiety. I can sort of deal with the pain. What was fascinating, and I'm giving a lecture on this next month, is that you have to treat the mental pain for the physical pain to disappear. And guess what? All four of those people, as we calm down the nervous system, they went through the healing process that Les and I put together, those principles, the leg pain disappeared. And I did not expect that. These are structural surgical lesions, tightly pinched nerves. But as you calm down the body's chemistry, anxiety anxiety disorder represents an elevated stress chemistry. As you calm down the stress chemistry and improves nerve conduction, it calms down the brain, their pain disappeared and it, never, and it never came back. When I looked at the questionnaire more, one had a daughter with leukemia, three had financial issues, one lost his job. I mean, all sorts of stuff was going on in their lives that were stressful. And these were tough guys. So remember, repressed stress is even more of a problem than expressed stress. Anyway, the bottom line is whether the problem is structural or not, the pain is magnified by uncertainty and stress because it's inflammatory. So what we're going to talk about today is that the mental pain is a big deal. I mean, I can honestly, I have shoulder pain, almost had surgery on that, that my shoulder during the worst part of it was the worst pain I've ever had. Yeah. But it, it, I didn't, it's the anxiety that just envelops you that just used to crush me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, dude, dude, I want to, I want to, uh, just popped up in my head here as you're talking, um, and you probably can speak to this. So people, we can really just kind of get you moving in this direction. I want you to pay attention to this. I, when I used to do um, part of my training, my residency was to do CL service consultation liaison. Do what, a, do, what, do what service consultation? Uh, CL uh, consultation liaison. So with psychiatry residents, so we'd run the hospital um, when we'd get a, a surgeon call would call us like. You know, um, we don't know why um, this patient is not healing. 
I think they might be more depressed. Um, and so what will happen is I do my rounds and I'll notice that patients who are coming out of surgery, when they had pre-existing depression, anxiety, or just, just like you said, um, when they did surgery, their, the healing process was so much so slower. Right. It took longer to leave the hospital and the surgeon was a little bit confused. And what I used to tell the surgeon back then is um, it's because of their, you know, they had pre-existing depression, anxiety, the, the pain has worsened and it's magnified. And so I said, so that is one of the reasons why they're slowly healing. But from a physical cellular perspective and even drawing on Robert Navio's work, when we when we have something that's trying to heal, it's hard for the body the brain to heal that site, that place inside of us when we are stuck in this catastrophic state, this constant survival state. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. No, absolutely. And so again, remember anxiety is a physiological state, not psychological. It's an inflammatory process and you've sensitized the brain. Your immune cells are just beating your body up. So the physical pain is worse in a state of anxiety, but yeah. not imaginary, not psychological. Anxiety is a physiological straight trait and we're trying state and we're trying to get rid of the word anxiety and just use the word activated stress response. That's sort of our goal here. Yeah. So, so let's go to the solution a little bit. And this is where um, I'm, I'm going to try to listen to Dr. Arya. I realize I've been talking quite a bit here this morning. Um, well, how many times has he said that? Play all the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, all right. Let's stay. So this, is, so this is what I, this is, again, interesting because um, Dr. Arya is really has a nice way of putting this. But the number one thing to healing from chronic pain is being nice to yourself. And is it, in my it's not mind over matter. It's not accepting the pain. It's somehow being with the pain in a way that allows yes. you to function. And as your life goes a different direction, why the pain actually does start to abate dramatically. So, um, Dr. Hardy, you want, want to talk to yeah. us about um, what's called somatic tracking? 
Yeah, let's let's kind of um, define uh, somatic tracking is basically what David is saying is learning to, you know, safely, gently, kindly lean into the pain while you are experiencing certain thoughts and emotions or additional sensations that arise in the body. So somatic tracking is basically the primary technique or intervention of PRT. Um, for those of you who are therapists listening or others, um, here's the technical part of the somatic tracking. It has three elements in it. When you, when you listen to it being done, and uh, I'll probably demonstrate a little, just a, a few seconds of it so you can actually get an understanding of it. And for those of you who wish to have the full uh, version of it, you can definitely go to my YouTube channel, Mindfulness, M-Y-N-D-F-U-L-N-E-S-S, and look up uh, what is p uh, pain reprocessing therapy, uh, and you'll see the recording. There's a recording and a practice session. But for the meantime, is the three elements of somatic tracking are mindfulness, which basically means involving just noticing what's surfacing without judgment, without trying to get freaked out about it. And this is a difficult thing because when we pay attention to the physical sensation in your body, for example, right now, if you notice tension in your body, perhaps your low back, your neck, your shoulders, your knees, if you can just kind of take your spotlight of attention, think of your mind as a spotlight. Now shift that spotlight to the sensation in your body that you might be experiencing right now, an emotional charge or a physical sensation that, that's kind of aching in your body right now. And as you just drop your attention to where you feel the sensation in your body, just go and drop into your breath. And as you continue to breathe and watch the sensation in your body, and again, think of your mind as a spotlight, take the spotlight, find a place in your body that's kind of troublesome that you're kind of irritated with or fearful with regarding the pain or the discomfort. And as you're paying attention to it with the spotlight over that sensation, drop into your breath, which basically means just pay attention to your breath. Really nothing special for you to do as you breathe in, notice that you're breathing in and when you're breathing out, noticing that sinking, melting, letting go, releasing breath. Mm. And the second component of this somatic tracking is the reappraisal part, which is basically just gentle reminders that there's nothing to fear, that this is just a false alarm from the brain. The brain senses danger and it's just trying to communicate with you. And your job is like a healthy parent to basically say, honey, all is well. And the more you stay with your breath and the more you pay attention to that spotlight of sensation in your body, and the more you gently remind yourself saying is all is well. Here's what I like to do. As you're reappraising the sensation and reminding yourself that hurt does not equal damage, that I'm safe, take your chat, take one of your hands and rub your heart or your chest, gently moving your hands back and forth as you're gently leaning into your breath, now leaning into your pain, the sensation of discomfort. And then the last thing is as you're breathing, maybe rubbing your chest, paying attention to maybe the knees or the back, wherever you're noticing the sensation. And then kind of think about this as, you know, in a light-hearted way, just going to have to bring some positive emotions to this difficult experience is just simply say, like, I know, I know, I got you. As if you're talking to the brain, uh, like a five-year-old, like, honey, I know you're trying to protect me, but right now this is truly not helpful. So easy does it all as well. I hear you, I see you, I feel you. Just some lightheartedness. And there you go. So David, an audience. That I was... think I just did a record for listening. <laughs> you know, I was a little bit, I was a little bit freaked out. So uh, I just I said, oh my gosh, she's going to interject here. <laughs> <laughs> I 
would now, can I interject? Yes, now I'm sorry, folks. That, folks, a round of applause for David. <laughs> <laughs> so I did want to interject when I said reappraisal, reappraisal of the pain sensations about reminders that the pain is nothing to fear. So I will say that as a surgeon, we are hyper about missing something. In other words, that's a lot of the fact that your physician has said that things are okay. So the things we don't miss are, of course, tumor um, or cancer, infections, and broken bones. And so those are structural things. And everything else, by the way, back pain that's muscular, arthritis in the knee that is what it is. So there's lots of sensations, that even if they have a structural source, they're not dangerous. So I do emphasize it's important to really be sure, again, we talked about this last time, gathering your own data that things are safe. So you have to gather the data. You can't just pretend things are safe. You have to know things are safe. Um, so that's one aspect of it. And um, that's all I wanted to say. Yeah, no, I think I think um, there's nothing wrong in, in being vigilant in that. Does it serve a purpose? And part of what somatic tracking does through the lens of safety, it says, hey, all is well right now. A lot of us who have pain, and for those who are still not in pain recovery, it is very normal and natural. So what David and I are really, really emphasizing is when the worst is happening, be the kindest, be be the very person you want to get love and support from and comfort from, whether it's a doctor or a family member or a friend. So when you can be that kindest person, and that's David, this is what I'm finding out with my practice. No matter what intervention, no matter what education, no matter what I do with my patient, I just I realized that at the worst moment when I personally can be the kindest to myself, when I'm shaming myself or maybe kind of concerned, the, the pain is kind of amplifying today or a mini flare-up, the most important thing is that kindness seems to put like a damp cloth on something that's burning. It sort of sizzles that's it interesting. out. So let's, just, let's try to summarize this up a little bit because this is a really tricky topic because at one, one point we're saying be kind to yourself and what doesn't work is mind over matter. You can't fight the pain. You're not going to conquer the pain. So it's a matter of being with the pain and not liking it, but being okay being in pain. In other words, you get to like yourself. You get to have compassion yourself because you really are suffering physical symptoms. So as you kind yourself that, yes, I am suffering, yeah. that kindness actually paradoxically helps relieve the suffering. Does that, does that make sense? That's beautiful. No, absolutely. And um, I'm hoping the audience hears this today. Is I like I really like how you say it. It's also as a physician, you're saying that look, it's not mind over matter. And and people write a lot about that. And and then also we're not saying it's not mind over matter. We're just saying here, let's get realistic. When stuff happens, it's the it's the survival mechanism of your brain. And when that shows up, can you show up without with a very helpful attitude of kindness? Do you can say, you say that again for a second? That, yeah. that was a good, that was a, I know you said this before in different ways, but it seems particularly relevant right now. So, so but what I usually say is this is, um, we're not responsible for what shows up, but we are responsible to how we show up to what showed up. And because right. pain's automatic. You can't control yep, That's that. exactly, yes, yes. That's, that's, that's the take home message, David and audiences. When something shows up, you actually have to have training to be able to show up with a sense of kindness. Because the first thing, as David is saying, is it's not so much mind over matter, happy thoughts, happy thoughts, happy thoughts. I, I can do this. Listen, when something physically, sensation, thought-wise that shows up, you didn't ask for it. So please understand and be kind to yourself. When something shows up, it's because your brain says, hey, mom, hey, dad, me no safe. 
And when your brain does that, it communicates it through our negative thoughts, communicates it through our rough emotions, and also it amplifies old injuries during states of um, stress. Also, as David said, repression is unconscious. So the brain is always processing stuff through without your awareness. So when something shows up, it ain't your fault. What it is, is now show up. Now show up as if you are the healthiest, loving, kindest parent to yourself, to that sensation, as if you're talking to the sensation. So this is why it's not so much mind of a matter. The brain uses the body, the thoughts, emotions to say, me no safe. Your job, me safe. Simple English. Right. I mean, it's, um, but also remember a couple things. Let's go back to the dynamic healing model, which we've talked about a lot. Right, right. Dynamic healing, you have your stresses or circumstances or threats, and then your brain processes these and says this is dangerous or safe. And when your brain senses danger, you go into what's called threat physiology, which is fight or flight. So again, your whole body sensitized, you feel things more, the inflammation's up, your metabolism or fuel consumption's up, so your body's in fight or flight. In that state, you feel everything more because you're supposed to do that. So again, we're using physical pain today sort of as a placeholder, but the mental pain is the bigger problem because mental pain does the same thing to your body as the physical pain. And so when you're talking about kind, so we're saying this for physical pain, but same thing with mental pain. So let's say in a day, so, and this is, I guess what I'm really trying to say is this is a day-to-day process that occurs multiple times per day, because some days the stresses are horrible. And one of my, one of the people I work with said, horrible family situation. And she says, what tools do I use to get through this? Yeah. And I'm going, you can't. Her stresses were so overwhelming that you're going to buckle. If your stresses are that high, it doesn't matter how, how good your coping skills is. It doesn't matter what your nervous system is like. Certain stresses are going to cause you to buckle. So you buckle, you buckle, you fail, you fail, you have a bad day, but you allow yourself to be kind to yourself that I'm having a really bad day. I'm not doing well. And that is okay. Right. That was very, that's, that's exactly it. Welcome the unwelcome. And some days you're going to have some difficult days. It's how you show up to those difficult days. That's the take home message. Right. And that's what when we say, keep being kind to yourself. Listen here, folks. If you want change, start doing things differently and then you will see change. Did I just slip something in? I think you did. Could you repeat that wisdom, Dr. Arya? <laughs> I think I, I think I missed it. I, I want to I want to fully comprehend. Right. If you missed it, I'm sure my, the audience may have too. So, if you want change, do something differently to feel the change. Yeah. So the doing of showing up differently with a different helpful with the attitude of helpfulness, which means be kind. And actually, that's a great question, and we we will do a separate podcast on it, because one person I've worked with off and on for years looked at me and goes, he says, you know, I think I'm addicted to my suffering. In other words, do you really want, yeah. the, do you really want the change? And the answer is, yeah. for a lot of people, yeah. it's no. So that's that's a different topic. Anyway, so I want to summarize another few of this phase of, again, a review really quickly, the phases of pain, pain reprocessing therapy. Again, pain is there but you're going to process it differently as, or as Dr. Arias says, okay, you have pain, mental, physical, how are you going to show up? In other words, how are you going to reprocess it? So education about pain in general is critical. Gather your own evidence and really be diligent about that. Today we talk about gently leaning into the pain and there's lots of variations on that. And then next time we're going to talk about addressing the emotional threats because this, again, we think is a bigger problem and maybe actually the source of all chronic pain in humans is this emotional problem 
And then creating positive feeling sensations is different than positive thinking, which is a way of suppressing. Yes. So yes. that's a whole different topic. So anyway, um, one of the views of this phase, as far as um, I had it happen yesterday, again, with one of my people I work with is that she said, I'm tired of just analyzing and fixing and reading and all this stuff. I just said, screw it. I'm just going to move on with my life. She, she was so much, she was blown away how much better she yeah. was. And every person that heals, by the way, comes to that tipping point, say, okay, I have all these tools. I'm done trying to solve my pain and analyze it and fix it. And I'm just going to move on. And so I talk about giving up, you know, yeah. fix things that aren't fixable and just say, screw it. I'm going to move on. And as you pay more attention to the rest of your life, instead of your pain, the pain circuits atrophy. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's, a, it's a basically changing the brain tracks of the learned neural pathways. Hey, folks, so David, this is I'm excited about next uh, next week's um, podcast about addressing other emotional threats. And as David alluded to, is this might be the source. And this is often the not only the source, but the barrier to healing. And as David and I like to say, it's really difficult for your body to heal until it feels safe enough. So, folks, okay. until next time, I want to have David truly have the last um, statement because, hey, folks, can David, can you just listen real carefully? Check this out. Can you hear the applause? The audience is clapping because, David, great job today on listening. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had a bag on him just a little bit. Listen here. He's a great guy, and uh, I love the bantering we do. So, David, Dr. Hanscom, thank you very much, and audience for listening, and uh, we hope that you have a great weekend. So I will have the last word, but just remind us really quickly how to access your resources. I mean, Les and I both have similar resources, a little bit different style, but the same principles. And so how do we access your resources, Les? Um, if you can just go to www.menda.health and you'll be able to access a lot of that stuff. And then my resources are, are what's called on the direct your own care journey. In other words, T-H-E, the D-O-C journey.com stands for the directyourownjourney.com. And we also have an app with the same name. They're separate products. And uh, it, the process is largely self-directed, even though if you like, if you, if you have people that can help and guide you, which Dr. Aria and I sell, myself both offer as part of our services, um, it's been very consistent. I mean, again, why we're here is that we're, we're very passionate about seeing people actually truly get better. So anyway, thank you for joining us today. And uh, we'll see you next week. David and Les would love to hear from you about today's podcast and any ideas for future topics. You can email them at david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. That's david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.